This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, I'd like to talk to you this morning about most important. Think, think about what's most important to you, what's most important in your life, most important in your education, most important. So you think of that, that term. You know, uh, most of New England's Ivy League colleges, such as Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Dartmouth, were established primarily to train ministers to evangelize the East Coast. You study your history and you'll find this is how these colleges started off. They were all founded on Christian principles, yet through the years all have drifted and they've compromised, no longer holding true to their purposes. You know, education and wisdom are not the same thing. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's not. And uh, I read an article some time back, uh, 2002, uh, a Massachusetts doctor, a Harvard, one of the Ivy League you know, medical schools, a Harvard graduate has been suspended for leaving a patient on the operating table midway through spinal surgery. So he could go and deposit a check at his local bank. According to an August 8 Reuters story, the State Board of Medicine said that David Arndt, an orthopedic surgeon, posed an immediate threat to the public health, safety, and welfare. After he left the patient last month with an open incision in his back, according to Reuters, Arndt left behind a surgeon who was not qualified to complete the surgery. After his 35-minute trip to the bank, Arndt returned to the operating room and he finished the surgery within a few hours. The doctor's license to practice medicine in Massachusetts has been suspended, but he will have a chance to appeal the decision. Arndt, a graduate of Harvard Medical School, was not available for comment on his suspension. You know, much schooling and education does not necessarily bring wisdom. That's my point here, that education and wisdom are not the same thing. Um, I would like to challenge each of you, something I learned many, many years ago, uh, to access wisdom for your own life and uh, the book of Proverbs, it starts off telling us about this particular topic. And I would challenge you to read one proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs in the book of Proverbs. So that's like one for each day. It'll take you five minutes, you know, you know, m maybe seven minutes if there's a longer one. But if you read one proverb a day, you'd be through the whole book of Proverbs once a month. And let me just share with you, you know, what the purpose of Proverbs is. And I would challenge you to write that down in your Bible, if you have it with you, 
or, you know, write it down where you understand this is the purpose for Proverbs. And this is the purpose. Listen to what it says here in Proverbs chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 1. It says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Verse 2. Their purpose. This is the purpose of Proverbs. And I'm going to give you about nine different things. You know, this is the purpose of Proverbs. First is, the purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Do, do you ever need wisdom? Yes. You ever need any discipline in your life? Yes. I think we all do. And this is the purpose for Proverbs. Number one, to teach people wisdom and discipline. The, the second purpose is to help them understand the insights of the wise. Verse 3 says their purpose is, and this is a third purpose, teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Anybody here like to live successful? Yes. In everything that you do, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your finances. Anyhow, it says here their purpose the purpose of Proverbs is, number three, to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Two, number four, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Verse four says, these Proverbs will, and this is the fifth purpose, will give insight to the simple. You, you know anybody who's simple? Well, if you know me, I'm simple, okay? But the Proverbs gives insight to those who are simple. It goes on to say, you know, knowledge and discernment to the young. Our young, if you teach them Proverbs and they read Proverbs, there's knowledge and discernment to the young. Uh, verse 5, and this is principle number 7, Proverbs that says, the wise listen to these Proverbs. Well, why would you want to listen if you already got wisdom? He says here, the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Could we afford to have a little bit more wisdom, even if we are somewhat wise already? Yes, definitely. I think so. You ever ask God for wisdom? Whether it's getting married or choosing a school or buying a house, or making an investment, whatever it is that you do, we do need wisdom. We genuinely do. And uh, the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. The eighth principle is those with understanding receive guidance because of Proverbs. Those with understanding receive guidance. And I think we all need guidance. Verse 6 says, by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7, and this is principle number 9, says, fear of the Lord. Now, we got to chew on this in a little bit. Fear of the Lord. Some people think that means being scared of God. The fear of the Lord has nothing to do with being scared of God. He tells us in the New Testament, God's not given us a spirit of fear. fear, but of power and love and of a 
sound mind. So verse 7, it says here, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The fear of the Lord. This is that, that respect, you know, that, that worshipful awe is what it's referring to. Fear of the Lord is the foundation. You know, the, the foundation that you can build upon. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Discipline enables you to fulfill and accomplish your goals and your dreams in life. Anyhow, picking up at verse 8, it says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. Verse 9, what you learn from them will crown you with grace. That's God's riches at Christ's expense. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. Verse 10 says, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Wisdom is the ability to apply biblical truths to all of our life situations. Proverbs teaches us the lessons of daily life. That's what it's there for. It teaches us. That's amazing when you think about it. The, the lessons of daily life and how to be successful in whatever it is that you, you know, choose to do. Right there, we were learning about the relationship between children and their parents. You know, it's giving children wisdom to know how to respond to their parents. And now we're going to be reading some more lessons for daily life. And this is talking about co-signing for a loan. You know, the Bible talks about all different kinds of things, and God's Word gives us wisdom in those areas. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1 says, My child, if you put up security for a friend's debt, I mean, it's to co-sign. Or agree to guarantee the debt of a stranger. If you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said. And, and you know what? Uh, in the early days of Faith Living Church, I, I learned this uh, from some very close friends of, of ours, part of our church. <clears throat> and the, the husband and the father of this family, he was a hard worker. He went to work every morning at 3.30. And he worked about 11 hours a day. He was a great provider and all. <clears throat> his son lost his job. And he asked, one of his sons lost his job. And he asked dad to co-sign a loan for a car. A, a really, really nice car. And his dad, uh, you know, didn't bat an eye. Just did that. And, off, and as time progressed, his son... Uh, didn't get another job. So every month, dad had, you know, when you co-sign, you're guaranteeing that this thing will be paid off. And he, he had to pay his son's car payment every month. And then he broached the subject with his son and said, well, you know, you, you, here's a place and here's a place. These are some places you could probably get a job if you applied. But the son never really tried. You know, he slept around two 30 in the daytime and that's about the time dad was coming home from a long crazy hours of work and he'd see his son just getting up and stirring and starting his day he'd ask him about getting a job 
so he could make his car payments and so forth and so on. And there was a, it became an ongoing hostile battle between them. Dad was getting up and working crazy hours and uh, he didn't mind that, but he was making all the car payments because the son would not get a job at all. And we have seen tremendous hostility by co-signing for someone. Now, there's a, there's a reason why you can co-sign for someone. <clears throat> if you want to co-sign for someone, well, it's for them to get a house or a car or whatever it might be, and you're willing, if they do not get a job, if they do not pay off their bill, and you're willing to pay the whole thing without fussing about it, well, then go ahead and do so. But if you're going to get hostile and upset and aggravated, don't even co-sign. This is wisdom that comes out of the book of Proverbs. This is what God's word has to say. My child, if you put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and, call, and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself. For you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride. Now let's try that. Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> swallow your pride. That's what he says. God's word, and, and pride is not a good thing. But he says, swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Go and beg whoever you co-sign for to have your name taken off of that thing. That's what the Bible says. Go <clears throat> Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate on this. If you have co-signed, it says, don't. Don't procrastinate. That's what he's talking about. Don't put it off. Do it now. Now, when is now? Now. Isn't that next year? Yeah, it's now. No. Is that next year? No, now. Or, or next month? <clears throat> now. I expect some of you to be on your phone right now. I was like, okay, let me get, take care of this right here, you know? But he says, do it now. Don't rest until you do. This is wisdom. The Bible tells you not to co-sign for anybody unless you're willing. If they can't make the payments, you're willing to absorb the full price without moaning and groaning and belly aching about it. That's what God's word tells us, really, to do. Save yourself. <clears throat> do it now. Save yourself. Do it now. Like a gazelle. A gazelle is like a deer. Escaping from a hunter. Like a bird fleeing from a net. Take a lesson from the ants. Did you know that ants can teach you? Now I have ants and uncles down south. You know. <laughs> they can too, but that's not what it's talking yeah, about. Yeah, up here in New England, we, we learn that y'all don't have ants. You have aunts. Aunts. You know. <clears throat> but down south, we call them ants. But this is talking about the little thing that crawls around the ground. It says, take a lesson from the ants. You lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. You can learn wisdom from an ant, is, is what he's telling us here. You, you can learn wisdom there. This is verse 6 again, but in the Message Bible and then reading forward. You lazy fool, look at an <clears throat> ant. Watch it closely. Now, have you ever watched an ant closely? So, we're in the summertime. This is a good time to put this into practice. You go out there on the lawn somewhere <clears throat> and you see some little ants moving around or some big ants and you lay down on the grass and you watch them. 
You can use a magnifying glass, just don't cook them with it, okay? <laughs> and you can watch the ants, what they're doing. The Bible says we can obtain wisdom. We can become wise by watching the ants. It says watch them closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life, poverty, your permanent house guest. Would you like to have poverty, your permanent house guest? No. Would you like to have a dirt poor life? No. Well, he tells us to obtain wisdom. And one of the ways to do it is to watch <clears throat> the ant. That's what he's telling us here. And then... As we continue on. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 5 says, learn. Learn. I mean, that's talking about to, to study. It's not necessarily just a, a gift that's deposited to you. There's a spiritual gift of wisdom. But he tells us most of the wisdom we're talking about here is a learned wisdom from him. Learn to be wise and develop good judgment. Learn to be wise. Study to be wise. Proverbs is a good place to learn that. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Uh, wisdom is referred to as a she. Mm -hmm. It says, don't turn your back on wisdom. It says that wisdom will protect you. Love her. Love wisdom. And she will guard you. She, she'll defend you. She'll guard you. Wisdom will protect you, and wisdom will guard you. And so you can continue to succeed in everything that you do. And then here, <clears throat> you, you'll, you'll notice where we got our title from today. Getting, Verse 7. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Getting wisdom. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that's your choice. But God says in his word, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And whatever else you do, get good judgment. Get good judgment. Uh, Bill Gothard said, wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. When you see life from God's point of view, he in, you know, parts into you wisdom. Knowing what to do and how to do it and what not to do he says, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And whatever you do, get good judgment. Good judgment is the opposite of bad judgment. Have you ever experienced the consequences of bad judgment? Yes. Don't do that again. You know, we want to have good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. If you prize, if you cherish wisdom says, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. Now, I had read some time ago about this woman uh, and she had a substantial amount of money stored up. You know, she was an older lady. And uh, have you ever got those telephone calls from scammers? Yeah. 
trying to take advantage of you and off and you probably all have had them whether you thought they were scammers or you trusted them anyhow this woman she had the call she trusted them she invited them into her life and they told her this and that and eventually she basically turned over all of her money for a high interest rate that she was going to get from them turned out to be it was a scam and they took every penny that she had saved up all her life long and then she went to the better business bureau to find out what she could do and they said well in this particular situation there's not much you can do he said did you know that we were here and we would have advised you from the moment you first she said i, I know you're there so well, why didn't you come and talk to us then she said because i knew you would tell me not to make the investment and I wanted to because it was often a tremendous interest rate. Now, would you ever go to someone who you know had wisdom, who would impart wisdom to you? Or would you choose, no, I don't want, because they're going to tell me not to do it. And I want to do it. Hmm. And that's what this woman did. And that's just human insight, human wisdom. You know, let's define wisdom here. Wisdom is discernment. Wisdom is insight. Wisdom is good sense, good judgment. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. See, you can have all kinds of knowledge, and you can get knowledge from a lot of different places, but knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and knowledge and knowledge won't necessarily do you any good if you don't know how to apply it? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is action. This is what it says here in Job 28, verse 28. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. That's really choosing to aim, that's right there in the word, to aim, to aim to please God always. Is your goal is to aim to please God and learn his ways always. Let's pick this back up in the Amplified Bible. Picking up, we'll back up there to verse 23. God understands the way to wisdom. He, he understands. God understands the way to wisdom. And he knows its place. For wisdom is with God alone. Where do we find wisdom? God alone. From God alone. From his word. From relationship with him. For seeking him. He tells in James, you know, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God and he will give it to you liberally. You know? It says God understands the way to wisdom and he knows the place. For wisdom is with God alone. That's where wisdom comes from. The kind of wisdom you want. We're not talking about human wisdom. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave weight and pressure to the wind and allotted the waters by measure, when he made a limit for the rain and a way for the thunderbolt. And, and I like this verse here, verse 26 in the Message Bible, where it says that he made a way for the th thunderbolt. It says in the Message, he set off explosions of thunder and lightning. So I, I believe that God probably likes a fireworks demonstration, you know, you know, all that. 
But God put all that by wisdom. He set all the, the sciences, you know, into motion by his wisdom. Then he saw wisdom and declared it. He established it and searched it out. But to man he said, Behold, the reverential and worshipful fear of the Lord. Did you see what he said? Hmm. This is the, the reverential reverence. This reverential and this worshipful fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. That is key. That is most important to understand so wisdom will begin to flow your way. And to depart from evil is understanding. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, in the King James, it says, you know, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. But listen to what it says in the Amplified Bible. The reverent fear and worshipful awe of the Lord includes the hatred of evil. The hatred of pride and arrogance and the evil way and the hatred, you know, to prevent the mouth. A he perverted says, mouth. This perverted mouth. He says, I hate these evil things. The fear of the Lord, this reverence for God, this reverential fear of the Lord, this worshipful, you know what he's talking about, awe of the Lord. It really is to hate evil. As I came to know the Lord as a young teenager, uh, and through the years, I looked at the fear of the Lord in this way, that I love Christ so much that I didn't want to do anything that would displease him. And I had this just very strong desire not to displease him in any way. So that was really the fear of the Lord. It caused me to hate evil. I didn't want to be around evil. I didn't want to partake of evil because my love for Christ. And that's what gives us the power over temptations that we face. You know, when we're faced with temptations, we need to recognize that that temptation is trying to lead us away from God. It's trying to get us to partake of evil. But if we hate evil, we're going to stay away from it. And that is a part of wisdom. It's key to wisdom. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. It's the foundation. It's what you build upon. And I finish it to say, everyone here who lives in a house, apartment, any kind of a structure or building, it has a foundation. They even dug down, they either dug down and found a huge rock to build upon, or they put brick and they put concrete and when rebarb and they poured it there to build your house on a strong foundation so it wouldn't eventually fall down. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All now what percentage is all? That is 100%. And this is talking to you along with everybody else on this planet. He says all who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. All who obey the commands of God. We read them and we learn them. You say, well, I was pretty wise about it. He says, don't co-sign for somebody. I never knew that. I got all these people I've already upset and offended. We've been in fights all along because I co-signed for them and all. But he says here, all who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. Grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. And then we're going to go and talk about the, the value that has been discovered in wisdom. 
Proverbs 3, verse 6. And this is a familiar scripture. It says, seek his will. That's God's will. In all you do. In 100% of what you're doing, seek God's will. There's an alternative to that. In this day and time, there's a human wisdom that they're putting into the school systems and all. And everybody scratches their head and go, who in the world would ever do that? You know? But he tells us, seek his will in all you do. And, and he, he will, will direct your paths. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't be impressed with your human wisdom. It conflicts with God's wisdom. But don't be impressed by your human wisdom it's talking about. Instead, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. That's the foundation of true wisdom. Instead of being impressed with your human wisdom, it says fear the Lord. That's that reverential, worshipful awe of the almighty God and you learn his ways. Fear the Lord and turn your back on evil. Then you will gain renewed health and vitality. Wow. Well, you mean <clears throat> if we take hold of God's wisdom and understand this fear of the Lord, this reverential worship and this awe of God he says, we will gain renewed health and vitality. Could you use some renewed health? Yes. What about vitality? This life, this energy, this strength. You know, it's just, it's just like a second to none. But he promises us here, then you will gain renewed health and vitality. And I want to encourage you again. Read one proverb a day. On June the 1st, read Proverbs chapter 1. It'll take you just a couple minutes to read that. And then on June the 2nd, read Proverbs number 2. And on the third day of June, read Proverbs number 3. And in one month, you'll get through the whole book of Proverbs, just a little dab at a time. And then you can start all over again. It will impart to you wisdom for family and finances and health and all kinds of wonderful things if we would make this application to our life. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything your land produces. Now, I don't know if you heard that. Some people kind of, well, I don't like that. You know, that's, that's your choice. Whether you use human wisdom or, you know, God's wisdom. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. You know, if you're standing in the grocery store, or somebody checking out ahead of you, they're a dollar, dollar and a half short, and you go, hey, let me help you out. Let me just take care of that for you. And that's an offering. That, that's a gift that you're giving to them. And then where it says here, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, that's a tithe. God requires 10% of us because he has blessed us. He wants us to declare our partnership with him. And he will always, he promises to multiply that so many times over. That's your choice whether you choose to do it or not. It's your choice if you want to be wise or not. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything. That means 100% of everything your land produces. And as you do that, go ahead. I'm sorry. I yeah. jumped ahead. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen, we're going to invest our life. Instead of just spending our life. We're investing it 
into God's kingdom. And, and that's the way all churches function. There's a f few churches that want to keep going and their people are not tithers, so they try to survive off tag sales. And that's really not the way God ever intended a church to survive and to thrive and to move forward, you know? So we should invest our lives instead of just uh, spending all of our life up. This is wisdom. Then, as we do that, as we honor the Lord with our wealth and give Him the best part of everything our land produces, then He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with the finest wine. You won't lack in any area. I really like pocket knives. I like little hatchets too. And uh, how long would it take you to chop down a tree with a hatchet like that? It's according to how big the tree is. Long time, you says? She says it depends on how big the tree is. I'm going to tell you another principle you got to know about. How sharp, who said that? Mm -hmm. How sharp is it? You know, well, I can tell you one thing. <clears throat> this one is very sharp. It's not sharp enough to shave off my beard, though, dear. <laughs> she asked me that last night. No, it's not that sharp. <clears throat> you can make it that sharp. And this is... <clears throat> this right here is the same thing and it's customized for that purpose. It's what I sharpen my knife with. And much of the time, my knife will shave you. Yeah. It's very, very sharp. You ever shave off your beard? No, I don't like to put <laughs> sharp things that close to my neck. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> <laughs> you can sharpen axe. A little thing like that on that diamond stone right there. And then you can take it over here to the ceramic. And you can put a serious edge upon it. Yes, you can. And a sharp knife, you rarely ever get cut with a sharp knife. People who get cut on a knife is usually a dull knife. They're exerting too much pressure on it. And then it slips and, and so forth. But I can tell you what. A sharp axe will cut down a tree in minutes where a dull one might take hours. Let's read this verse right here. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10 says, Using a dull axe requires great strength. Using a dull axe requires great strength to sharpen the blade. So sharpen the blade. And then listen to what it goes on to say. That's the value of wisdom. That's the importance or the value of wisdom. And, and notice, take notes and, and, and identify the things that helps you to see the value and the importance of wisdom. It helps you succeed. It helps you succeed. And it just says that it's just a simple principle. If you sharpen your axe, that's wisdom. Instead of trying to cut something down 
with a dull axe. You will exert great energy and you will accomplish very little. This is talking about, this is the most important thing. If you are a lumberjack, you need to sharpen your axe and your work becomes so much easier and you accomplish so much, so much more. Would you read that verse one more time, dear? Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's practical wisdom that we can apply to our daily life. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 11 says, Being wise is as good as being rich. Hold, hold on a second. <clears throat> Which would you prefer? Being wise or being rich? Being wise. It says being wise is as good as being rich. In fact, it is better. Being wise is actually better than being rich because being wise will cause you to discover the riches and the riches of wisdom and, and the riches that affect your entire life. So he says being wise is as good as being rich. In fact, it is better. Being rich without wisdom, like the lady I told you about, she was rich and she had not God's wisdom and she lost all of her wealth. Someone was scamming her, you see. But it's unfortunate to have more dollars than cents. <laughs> you can chew on that in a while. You might figure it out a little bit later on. <clears throat> wisdom or money can get you almost anything. Almost. Wisdom or money can almost get you, can get you almost anything. But it's important to know that only wisdom can save your life. Wisdom is the one that gets you everything, but it brings salvation, and money cannot do that. Notice the way God does things. Are you paying attention? It says notice the way God does things. Are we noticing how God does things? Uh, you will obtain tremendous wisdom if you do. Notice the way God does things, then fall into line. Don't fight the ways of God. Have you ever fought the ways of God? It could be concerning tithing. Anything that messes with your finances, like, well, I'm not going to. Or it could be other things that God says don't do or that God says do to do. You know, and, and we can fight God and we can resist him. And we pay the consequences of that in time. Uh, let's read that verse one more time. Notice the way God does things. Notice. Are you paying attention? Then fall into line. Act upon what his word tells us to do if you want wisdom. Don't fight the ways of God for who can straighten out what he has made crooked. A wise person is stronger than the ten leading citizens of a town. The ten leading citizens of a town. A wise person is stronger than those generals, if you would. Valent generals, a wise person is stronger than the ten leading citizens of a town. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 13 in the Message Bible says, One day as I was observing how wisdom fares on this earth, I saw something that made me sit up and take notice. Now, that's pretty significant. I saw something that was just like made me sit up and take notice. Hey, what's going on here? What? Uh, you ever read something in the Bible that 
makes you sit up and take notice. And then he goes on to say here, There was a small town with only a few people in it. A strong king came and mounted an attack, building trenches and attack posts around it. There was a poor but wise man. A wise man. He was poor, but he was wise. He didn't have much money, but he had lots of wisdom. There was a poor but wise man in that town whose wisdom saved the town. His wisdom. Not his money. His wisdom saved the town. But he was promptly forgotten. He was only a poor man after all. All the same, I still say that wisdom is better than muscle. Even though the wise poor man was treated with contempt and soon forgotten. But even so, the quiet words of a wise person are better than the shouts of a foolish king. A wise person can overcome weapons of war. That's pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. A wise person can overcome weapons of war. The Bible tells us that, and we can understand that. Well, when Alexander the Great was marching against Lampsacus to destroy it, Alexander, in order to frustrate uh, the purpose of his enemies, he took an oath that he would not grant his enemies anything that he should ask for. And Anaximenes, he requested, he, he heard, you know, Alexander's uh, boast and his oath, I'm not going to do anything that they asked me to do. I'm not going to show any favoritism in any way. And Anaximenes came, speaking on behalf of the town, and he requested that Alexander destroy his city. Alexander the Great respected his oath, and the city was spared. Because Anaximenes, he said, after he heard that Alexander was not going to do anything that was requested, the great, he said, I'm not going to do anything that he requests of me. And his first request was, please destroy my town. And he outsmarted him. There was some wisdom in that. And Alexander the Great, he honored his oath and left the town alone. Think about that. Do we have such wisdom in our daily comings and goings? In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise. Now hold on there. Anyone who listens, you know, listen to the teaching and obeys me. He's wise. It takes those two ingredients to listen to God's word and to obey him. It says, That person is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. On solid rock. It's like a person who builds their house on a sure, solid foundation. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Like a person who builds, oh, I'm sorry, because it is built on rock. Because it's built on rock. A man or a woman who builds their house on rock means they hear God's word and they obey it. And they're building their their hopes and their dreams and their future upon a solid rock. And he says the storms of life will come. It will come against us all. 
whether we're wise or foolish, in the beginning, storms will come our way. But if you've heard God's word, if you listen to his word, and you obey what he says, he says you're building upon a strong rock, and you're a wise man, you're a wise woman. But anyone who hears my teaching... Who hears, same as listening, who hears my teaching... And ignores it. <laughs> the opposite of the people who listened and they obeyed, here they're hearing it and they are ignoring it. Who hears it and ignores it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. There's no foundation at all. And you can just visualize what happens if you build your house right out there close to the, where the water is coming in from the beach. You just build your house on the sand. You know, it's going to, even a sand castle won't last very long, you know. When the rains and floods come. And, and they will come. And the winds beat against that house, it will fall with a mighty crash. It will fall with a mighty crash. You have a picture of a man who is wise. And you have a picture of a man who is foolish. The wise man listens and obeys. The foolish man, <clears throat> he hears, he listens, and ignores, and he has no foundation. See, some folks are, some folks are wise. Other folks are otherwise. <clears throat> you can chew on that for a little bit and think, what in the world is he talking about? Now, hold on a second. Now I was thinking about, <clears throat> excuse me, if anyone wants new grass, you know, planted in their yard, I was thinking about offering to do it for you. You know, uh, no matter what condition your yard is in, <clears throat> I was thinking about offering to plant, you know, grass in your yard for free. Sounds like a pretty good deal, don't it? So thinking about this for just a moment. <clears throat> I wrote a little statement down here. Whoever finds the rules of wisdom, and we found them in the book of Proverbs. Whoever finds the rules of wisdom and fails to apply them to his life is like a man who works in his fields but doesn't plant any seed. So if I'm on an offer to go over your yard, and don't matter how big it is, I will do my part. But there's no seed. What good is it going to do if I don't have no seed? No good. So you think about that. What are you doing with your life right now? Are you planting something that's going to grow? <clears throat> Are you exerting a tremendous amount of energy and it's going to accomplish zero? It's going to accomplish nothing, you know. Are you building your life on solid rock by doing what God's word says? Or are you listening to his word, but you're ignoring it and therefore accomplish nothing? 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 says... You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. That's a good thing to do, to teach your children the Scriptures from childhood. Oh, what kind of wisdom will you be imparting to children at that point in time? 
You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Hmm. You mean by knowing the Scriptures, we can receive salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, that shame is washed away and guilt is washed away by learning God's ways is what he's talking about. Verse 16 says, all scripture... And that's talking about God's word. ...is inspired by God and is useful. And that word useful means it's relevant. It's useful, but it's relevant to you and what you're doing. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Versus teaching us what is false. And some people in our world right now don't know the difference between what's true and what's false. And, and many people are trying to load our public schools up with a bunch of stuff that's false. Mm -hmm. That's actually happening now, but we go to God's word and we discover the difference between something that's true and something that is false. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. A man or a woman who will study God's word will discover what is true and what is false and what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out. It straightens, God's word straightens us out. It's what he says. It straightens us out. And teaches us to do <clears throat> what is right. And teaches us to do what's right versus what is wrong. And there's some people who don't know the difference. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped. Not half equipped? No, fully. Fully equipped. It's God's way to prepare us in every way, fully equipped. For every good thing God wants us to do. His word, this wisdom equips us for everything God has for us to do. True wisdom, it starts with a heart full of faith, you know, not just a head full of facts. God's Word offers us greater wisdom than Yale or Harvard or West Point or any other school of higher learning. God's Word offers you more. As a matter of fact, this used to be the foundational book <clears throat> in all those schools of higher learning. Once upon a time, before they drifted away and compromised. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. You, you, you can't improve perfect, can you? Nope. The law of the Lord, if you want wisdom, if you want guidance, the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. Does your soul ever need to be revived? Yes. <clears throat> the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Do, do, do you need your simplicity to be wisened up a little bit? Yeah. I think we do. I've always boasted I'm a simple person, a simple man. But God still gives the simple. He gives us wisdom when we seek him. And the wisdom comes from him. It doesn't originate with ourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom. God saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom. You'll never get to heaven 
through human wisdom. It says that you'll never get there. God said it in the motion. You'll never find your way to heaven through human wisdom. And that's what he wants us to have. He wants us to have not human. He wants us to have wisdom, but not from humanity. He wants us to get the wisdom that comes from him. He's the manufacturer. He created us, and this is the manufacturer's handbook. If you take the book that came with your automobile, and it says you're supposed to put gasoline in it, but you choose to put diesel in it, is it going to work well? No. You've got to use a manufacturer's handbook, and God has given us a manufacturer's handbook. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save all who believe. And not just our foolish preaching of God's word, but all of believers as they share the good news that they've learned from almighty God's word, from his fantastic manufacturer's handbook. Notice this statement that a very important guy... He was our 16th president. Does anybody know who that was? Abraham Lincoln. He was one of the greatest presidents. He says, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all those around me seemed insufficient for the day. Abraham Lincoln. But I've read a good bit about Abraham Lincoln and I see where he went to God's word on a regular basis. He prayed on a regular basis and he sought God for his wisdom and not just the human wisdom that surrounded him. And Abraham Lincoln is one who, you know, constructed uh, the Emancipation Proclamation and declared thousands upon thousands upon thousands who had been put in bondage and he set them free. He had the wisdom that came from above. Modern day thinkers <clears throat> insist on using human wisdom to answer eternal questions. But it don't work that way. The tragedy of the situation was graphically illustrated in a humorous skit performed by Carl Valentin, a Munich comedian, walking on a stage where everything was dark except for a small area under a street lamp he began looking for something on the ground and he told the policeman who came on the scene that he was trying to find a lost key whereupon the two continued to search finally the officer asked are you sure you lost it here uh, oh no said Valentine, as he pointed to the other corner across the street it was over there that I lost the key but here the light is much better. That's human wisdom. You're never going to find the key over there. Oh, but it's so much easier to look here. So they would say. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 7 says, Forever following new teachings. That's the human wisdom of this world. Coming up with something new and improved. Forever following new teachings and introducing them to others. Forever following new teachings, but they never understand the truth. It's not true. Colossians 
powerful passage. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 says. In him. In him. It's talking about in Jesus Christ. In relationship with him. is talking about when you have this relationship with Christ and you're in him. Guess what else you find in him? In him lie hidden all the treasures. All of the treasures. All. That's 100%. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You, you, you can't find hidden treasure without searching for it. And all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in relationship with him. And you learn from him. And as you pray and you seek him. Romans chapter 11 verse 33 says, Oh, what a wonderful God we have. Let's chew on that for a moment. Do you agree with that? Yes. What a wonderful God we have. Have you found comfort from him, from him before? Yes. Has he ever granted you wisdom? Yes. Has he answered your prayers? Yes. Definitely. Has he helped you in your times of need? Yes. Has he forgiven your sins? Yes. Oh, how wonderful it says. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. How great are his riches and wisdom and knowledge. How great are his riches and wisdom and knowledge. And they're all hidden in Christ. So when we choose Christ for our lives, you know, it changes us. If you want the wisdom, you're going to need wisdom before the day is over to make decisions about things. Things that you choose to do and things that you choose not to do. You're going to need wisdom in this world in which we live. And the Bible says wisdom, she will protect you. That's what it says. Protect you from financial ruin. Protect you from sickness and disease. Protect you from chaos in your family. Protect you whatever happens in this world in which we live. Wisdom, he says, will protect us. Let's seek his wisdom. Let's put him first. I challenge you to begin to read a proverb a day and then start all over again when the next month rolls around. Now, I know that we got a <clears throat> little bit until June the 1st. <clears throat> so you can back up and start reading the, the last five proverbs in, in the book of Proverbs and then kick off reading Proverbs chapter 1 on June the 1st. Read Proverbs chapter 2 on June the 2nd. It's just a good way to start a good habit that will impart tremendous wisdom in every area of your life. So today is May the 22nd. So you could start reading Proverbs 22nd today. If you, want you could do that. That's a good idea. That's, that's wisdom, you know. <laughs> well, I'd like you to bow your heads with me. And those of you who know Christ, would you reaffirm your faith in him? today along with me and Susan and those of you who are watching online, would you reaffirm your faith in Christ? And you go, well, I don't really know him in the first place. Well, would you join us? And we're going to pray out loud. Would you declare your faith in an awesome, a wonderful God who has given us the manufacturer's handbook that will change our life. And you can go back and you can see all these principles that he's told us about in Proverbs chapter 1. You'll see all these. But would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, 
Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And you know everything about me. And you know everything about me. I believe you sent Jesus. I believe you sent Jesus. To pay for all of my sins. To pay for all of my sins. And he gave his life on the cross for me. And he gave his life on the cross for me. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I opened the doors of my heart. And I opened the doors of my heart. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Jesus. Into every area of my life. Into every area of my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my friend. As my friend. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. Thank you for what you're doing in me. Thank you for what you're doing in me. And I ask that you would grant me wisdom. And I ask that you would grant me wisdom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.